It is time for Baldry's Beat. I'm Jody Vance in for Mike today and Monday. Keith, good to have you here. I'm so glad you didn't take this Friday off and uh, get to hang with me here. Well, I heard you were, you were sub-hosting, so of course I'm going to be here. You're very kind. <laughs> I can't wait to dive into some of the big stories today. And let's start with the uh, federal conservative leadership debate. I got some audio here I want to mm-hmm. play for you, Keith. And because lots of people are caught up either they're, they're, they're tuning into something else just a little bit lighter, or maybe they're watching some Stanley Cup playoffs, what have you. But boy, oh boy, they missed it uh, when some sparks flew at this conservative leadership yes. debate last night. And, and for those who missed it, we want to bring you some highlights. We're, we're breaking it down here first. Uh, Jean Charest uh, explaining the tag that he's been wearing in the race about being a liberal. Can I take a moment to lay to rest this accusation of being a liberal? Bear with me. (laughs) I fought the 95 referendum and I'm in this race because I believe in the unity of the country. I think Western alienation has lasted long enough. And what I see there, I've seen in Quebec. And I ran in 95. I fought in the referendum. And I went to lead a coalition in Quebec of federalists when there was no Conservative Party of Quebec, ladies and gentlemen, as is the case in British Columbia. And you know what? I was successful. We pushed back on that referendum, and Canada stayed united. And believe me... If I was able to fight back the separatists, it's not this guy here on the stage tonight that's going to intimidate me and stop me from defending Canada. So he was pointing to this guy. Of course, this guy is Pierre Polyev, and he retorted that it's less about branding and more about actions. It's your record that was liberal, Jean. You governed like a liberal. When you raise the sales tax, not once, but twice, then you bring in a fuel tax And then you decide that gas prices are still not high enough and you pile on a carbon tax. And then you raise income tax in the form of something you called a health tax. That is not conservative, no matter what you call it. It's not your name as a party that was liberal. It was your track record of more debt, higher taxes, and more expensive government that was liberal, Mr. Charest. So, Keith, how did you consume that back and forth? Well, that was the more civil part of the debate. <laughs> I mean, there was some pretty nasty stuff between those two. And, I, you know, I've covered a lot of leadership races over the years. This one stands out for the internal viciousness, uh, particularly amongst two candidates, uh, Pierre Paul Evan and Jean Charest. I mean, this is beyond nasty. Um, this is, uh, again, clashing in very personal ways on some fundamental levels. Uh, Sheree, if you recall a few weeks ago, demanded that Polyev be disqualified from the race because of his support for the trucker convoy. Uh, so it's uh, all, all leadership ra- uh, races have some internal tension, but this one uh, takes the cake. And I think it was um, one of the other candidates uh, who was uh, Aitchison, Scott Aitchison, uh, bemoaned what was going on last night, saying basically, saying all we do is sc- is yell and scream at each other. Here, here we are calling each other names. What what Canadian is going to trust this lot? And that line, mm. what Canadian is going to trust this lot? You can be sure is probably going to be picked up by other parties um, to use to bash the conservatives over the head. That they're they're just consumed by internal infighting and not really offered. There was very little policies offered last night. It was mostly right. personal attacks on each other, which again is not out of place in leadership races, but I think this one is uh, in a class of its own. 
It's kind of going next level. I want to play one more clip for our, our listener, uh, Keith, because the heat, as you said, was turned up to high, uh, specific to Huawei. Have a listen to this. Mr. Sheree, how much money did you get from Huawei when you were working for them, either directly or indirectly? Just the number, please. How much? <laughs> Just the number. Can I, Mr. Sheree. Are we talking about the company that Stephen Harper welcomed into Just Canada the number, please. How in much? 2012? How much, sir? We're not on a student how council here, Pierre. How much? Pierre, this is not a student council. Please. How much? This is the security this of our is, country, this Mr. Charade. It's not a laughing matter. How much did you get from Huawei? This is, Answer the question. This is a How company much? that was welcomed into Canada by well, Stephen Harper in 2012. Well, then you shouldn't be afraid to tell us the truth about for the telecommunications How companies. How much? And that's that's what Huawei How did. Much did welcomed in by a conservative government. How much did you I am very Mr. proud of the fact that I Mr. also Shere, worked much? to Answer free the, the two Michaels and to bring them back one. home. Oh, and right. if you want evidence of that, Mr. ask the Mr. wife right. of Michael Kovrig, Bina Najibullah. One, one at a time, please. One at a time, Mr. Polyev. Huawei you the two Michaels. Come on. You got some swamp land to sell us in Florida, too? Come on. Mr. Can I, How much? Mr. Shrey, please, the floor How is yours. Thank you. Talk? Answer the question. Is, it, is this well, yeah. the country you believe in where people aren't allowed to I'd, talk? I'd, I'd like to hear what you ha- the number. I, can I can Answer I the question. Just answer I want, the question. I want, I want to talk about this issue. How much? Mr. Polyev, let, let's give Mr. Shrey a chance to respond. Just the dollar figure, please. I feel for the moderators there. Keith, that was so... We wanted to do the whole meaty clip because it felt like just a couple of kids sparring well they don't verbally. yeah neither come off well they're probably have, i mean that was annoying i think to anyone watching yeah. that debate that was like uh it was uh irritating to watch and yeah, it was. a lot of politicians don't realize the the average viewer this is a complete turnoff when you engage yeah. in behavior like that um it's perfectly uh, fine to question sheree on huawei but to do it that way i think again is a turnoff for, for a lot of voters. And the conservative challenge here is to get beyond this leadership race and start to appeal to a wider base of voters, because right now their base is not enough to get them into power in Ottawa. They've got to expand that. And I just think performances like this do very little to expand. In fact, probably um, lower the base number, because it's a turnoff when you see politicians behaving that way. That's why we wanted to play the entire clip because it was like, well, we could steal a little bit, but it doesn't give that overarching, like, come on, man, sort of vibe of it. Yeah, we've seen this in in provincial debates as well. When politicians start talking over each other, and I've moderated some, you have, uh, it's it's a turnoff for the voter who's looking for policy, looking for information, not looking for personal attacks. All right, let's shift to another big story. And I I heard you on this program yesterday talking about what we might expect with the uh, announcement from the province with regard to escalating crime in BC, especially in the city of Vancouver and the provincial government turning its eye to repeat offenders, how prolific criminals are gaming our judicial system and exhausting law enforcement. Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General uh, Deputy Premier Mike Farnworth and Attorney General David Eby uh, had their briefing yesterday on on what this government plans to do about this scary trend. Here is uh, Mike Farnworth uh, on the subject. Our government is partnering with BC mayors to launch an investigation to identify steps we can take to stop the scourge of prolific offenders and protect people and communities. This investigation will be led by experts in policing and mental health and addictions, Doug Lepard and Dr. Amanda Butler. My ministry will be working with them to provide all necessary support. 
We recognize the damage prolific offenders inflict on BC families, businesses, and neighborhoods. An investigation by experts with a wealth of experiencing experiences working on finding practical solutions is an important initial step in a very complex issue. We look forward to the investigation's finding on how to protect BC's communities and connect repeat offenders with what they need in order to break the cycle. Is a study urgent enough, Keith? Certainly critics are saying this is, uh, is uh, falls far short of what's required. That, I mean, there's no question this is not going to have any short-term impact. Um, and again, as we see almost on a nightly basis play out on Global News, we have video of, of or clips of police talking about these random assaults, uh, repeat offenders. It comes up in the House uh, pretty steadily. The Liberals raise this issue constantly. So 120 days is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a long time to study things. But perhaps they're going to come up with some solutions. I mean, these are two experts in their field, and maybe they'll be creative. But I think um, it's not going to solve anything short-term. So that will keep the issue front and center, I think, in the legislature until the, the session ends uh, later this month. So the political heat will still be there, even though this committee, the two-person committee, is studying the issue. I think. Uh, but again, having said that, I'm not sure there's a short-term fix. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's uh, prosecutorial guidelines set down by the, the federal government. There's court decisions that judges have to follow. Uh, David Eby doesn't have the power necessarily to wade in here and, and arbitrarily change the rules. And that's what I think a lot of critics are looking for, but that's just not going to happen. Jody Vance in for Mike today with Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. And Keith, of course, the phone lines always light up for you. And before we hit the phone boards, I do want to reference um, that Richard Zussman actually interviewed John Clarides, the owner of Marquee Wines. John's been very outspoken about the damage done to his and other businesses near his um, just prolific reoffenders, and his reaction to the announcement from uh, Attorney General David Eby and, and um, Deputy Premier uh, Mike Farnworth yesterday uh, basically said this is you know another example of government uh, a government hand holding exercise given that it's 120 days of study uh, before action might be taken to to help small business owners who are struggling anyway. I think that's such a big piece of this puzzle. The the what's been the feedback like to you from listeners and viewers uh, since the announcement was made yesterday? Oh, I think people are underwhelmed. <laughs> Uh, as you say, 120 days is a long time. Now, you know, as I mentioned, it is a complex problem. There's no easy fix here. It's not like the EB can wade in and tell a judge what to do. Judges are following rules that they have to follow, but it's a frustrating situation. And small business owners in particular, particularly in downtown Vancouver, are really feeling this. That And, and there's so much... Um, mental health is so much involved in this, and that's another part where the justice system has yet to demonstrate an ability to deal with this sudden escalation of mental health associated crimes and 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 people who are not chronic criminals but they have mental health issues and they're continuing to to commit criminal acts but not because they're a hardened criminal but because they have mental health issues and that's a real challenge and again there's no easy fix for this but 120 days i'm i can imagine the reaction from small business owners and people are being hit by this uh, situation is uh, again not that impressed all right, let's get to the phone board, 604-280-9898. Keith Baldry is here to answer your questions. And Mike and Surrey, you're up first. Yeah, hi, Jody. Hi, Keith. I'd uh, like to touch uh, on this Polly of Charade thing. I didn't see it last night, 
But um, one thing I've noticed about uh, Polyev is when he's in Parliament, he asks a direct question to, say, Christopher Freeland or Justin Trudeau, and in this case, John Charest. He gets anything but the answer he's looking for. They all talk for a few minutes about other things, but don't actually answer the question. How can we trust politicians that aren't actually asking the qu- or answering the question? And maybe we need someone like Pierre Polyev to ask the direct question and demand that the answer be given to the question he asked. Yeah, so I mean, certainly um, he can go to any legislature in Canada uh, or any state house uh, in the United States, and you'll find plenty of examples of politicians who won't answer direct questions from their their uh, opposing colleagues. Uh, it's not confined to Ottawa. It's not confined to Victoria. Uh, my take, though, on a, in a public forum such as that, it's not Parliament. It's it's a debate, and I think people are looking for different types of behavior in debates, and they are looking necessarily in the House of Commons or provincial legislatures, which are uh, adversarial uh, forums, and by tradition and by necessity. And that's not necessarily the case, I think, in in leadership races. And I've moderated a number of leadership debates. And I think that's not necessarily the place to have people shouting over each other, uh, demanding answers or answer this, answer that, in a way that is a turnoff for people who are watching that, uh, unless you're a total partisan supporter of the person doing that. It's interesting, Keith, that when you watch a debate, as you say, that is for the viewer to consume the, the general character of the politician, the leader. Um, and when we're watching political theater, which is often the case in parliament and, and legislature when, you know, everything's directed, Mr. Speaker, uh, and it becomes a, you know, hear, hear, and the, mm-hmm. the shouts from the gallery and what have you. We've seen a lot of it in, in, uh, in the UK, certainly. Um, just an escalation in, in the, the sort of s- kids in a school ground kind of vibe to it. Mike, thank you for your phone call. We appreciate well, one of the, you. One of the most well, famous instances of deba- in political debates, uh, election debates, not a leadership debate, election debate, took place in 1991 here in B.C. when you had Mike Harcourt of the NDP and Rita Johnson of the Social Credit Party squabbling with each other on the stage, talking over each other, and Gordon Wilson, yeah. the then unknown leader of the B.C. Liberal Party, uh, stepped in and said, this is why nothing gets done in the legislature of, of, of British Columbia. And he stood out because he st- sort of put himself above the fray of two people behaving like kids in a schoolyard, and suddenly the Liberals shot up in the polls and actually rivaled the NDP at one point in that election campaign to form government. So that's an example right. of not behaving that way and benefiting from it. Ed and Burnaby, we're tight for time here, so you got about 30 seconds. Yes, uh, regarding this 120-day uh, uh, time, I, as a citizen, just fed up with analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. We know we have a drug problem. We know we have a drinking problem. We know we have a rotational provincial court that they go out and back in. We know they laugh about it. It's time that they were either given an option of treatment or put in jail. It is time. And I think treatment for most is the answer. There you go. Thank you very much, Ed and Burnaby. We squeezed one more in there. Keith, as always, great to chat with you. Have a great weekend. We'll chat with you on Baldry's Beat on Monday. Take care.